Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to see you here this morning. I'd like to uh, retell a story, a true story, that I told about uh, seven years ago. I shared that with the campus community. Uh, this is a story about the conflicts I had with my first college roommate at a Lutheran University in the Midwest uh, many years ago now. Uh, I'll start with a confession. I was not very kind to my college roommate when I was a freshman. My roommate's name was Frank. He was from New Jersey, and frankly, he talked funny. Instead of saying he went to the beach in the summer, he said he went to the shore. Instead of ordering a sub sandwich, Frank ordered a grinder. I said soda, he said pop. The guy down the hall in the dorm said soda pop. Frank said water fountain, I said bubbler. That's right, in Wisconsin we called water fountains bubblers. I love the Green Bay Packers. Frank loved drag racing. And he couldn't believe I'd never taken my father's car to a quarter mile track. For fun, I played football. Frank smoked cigarettes. From the time he woke up to the time he went to sleep, he smoked camel filter cigarettes. With his tuition money from the federal government, Frank bought a stereo. I paid my tuition and bought books from the bookstore. When Frank had no money left for books, he borrowed his books from the campus bookstore. On most issues, Frank and I did not see eye to eye. In my opinion, Frank was not a solid citizen. To complicate matters, the floor plan and furnishings of our dorm room were inspired by Soviet-era prisons. I'm not saying the rooms were tiny, but by standing in the middle of my room and going from side to side like this, I could touch both of the concrete walls. Not anything like the upper quads or lower quads or the rooms we have in Rho and Sigma. Our beds which doubled as couches when pushed against the opposite walls during the day, were about 18 inches apart when pulled out at night. As I tried to fall asleep in my bed each night, I was close enough to Frank's bed to see the miniature camel imprinted on his glowing cigarette. Our late-night conversations were debates on the relative virtues of wearing underwear to bed as opposed to pajamas. In my family, we wore pajamas. Frank's relatives were underwear people. The roommates next door, I heard, talked about the nature of the universe and the meaning of life, and Frank and I talked about sleepwear. After a few weeks of tolerating one another, things went south, way south. I complained about the cigarette smoke. Frank complained about the odor from my gym shoes. Heated words were exchanged. Frank didn't back down. I certainly didn't give in, and it got borderline physical. The RA intervened. He told us not to come out of our room until we resolved our differences. Well, I recall sitting on my bed, which was made, by the way, with Frank sitting opposite me on his bed, which was unmade. We were trying to have a heart-to-heart. I also recall absentmindedly and compulsively picking bits of lint from the carpet and squirreling them in the palm of my hand in an effort to avoid eye contact with Frank. We got nowhere, as we were living in a time prior to Oprah and Dr. Phil. Occasionally, I did try to make a connection with 
Frank by sharing the homemade chocolate-covered peanut clusters that my mother sent with me to college. The clusters were packed in a shoebox lined with wax paper, if I recall. Every night I meted out two chocolate clusters to Frank and two to me. After Frank gobbled his and I savored mine, I secured the top of the shoebox with a rubber band before returning the box to the top shelf of my closet. Frank considered my actions odd and selfish. I thought I was being magnanimous and exercising self-control. Then there was my travel iron. My mother somehow, somewhere, found a travel iron no bigger than the palm of your hand with a fuzzy black electric cord to send off with me to college. A few months before I left home, my mother stood next to me at her ironing board and crisply explained how to iron a button-down shirt. One afternoon, when I explained the proper sequence of shirt ironing to Frank and offered to lend him my iron, he gave me a New Jersey gesture I still remember. (laughs) Anybody here from New Jersey? I'll explain later. As a mid-semester approached, Frank and I were hardly speaking, and we rarely saw one another. Frank stopped going to class, and he disappeared for days at a time. When he came back, he told stories of his adventures, which, in my view, demonstrated that he had broken campus regulations as well as state laws and federal statutes. One day, near the end of the semester, I returned to our room, and Frank and his stereo and his ashtrays were gone. I was not unhappy, except about losing the stereo. Back to my confession. The first day I met Frank at the beginning of the semester, he told me that just two months before, his father had died suddenly of a massive heart attack. Well, I didn't didn't get it. I was 18 years old, and I didn't get it. In fact, I probably didn't really get it until I lost my own father many years later. When Frank told me how he loved going to the drag strip with his father, I really didn't listen. When he talked about going to the Jersey Shore with his father and mother and brothers, I was disinterested. When he couldn't concentrate on his classes, when he smoked incessantly and obsessively, I didn't get it. And today I confess, I'm sorry I didn't connect the dots and understand more fully what my college freshman roommate was going through. There's a passage in the New Testament which condemns hypocrisy by telling us to take the log out of our own eye before trying to remove the specks of sawdust from our neighbor's eye. When I was 18, both of my eyes were log jammed. That New Testament passage never occurred to me when I was condemning Frank for his behavior. I confess that I was blinded by my own college freshman self-centeredness and failed to see what a young, grieving kid from New Jersey was going through. The lesson here is about taking the high road, about trying to understand why many suffering human beings act the way they do. It's not about accepting dangerous, unlawful, or immoral behavior, but it is about attempting to love others as we have been loved by God. It's about forgiving others 
as we have been forgiven. It's about loving others as we are loved. It's about caring for others as we are cared for. And it's about knowing and internalizing the truth that God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us so that we might be free to love and to serve and to forgive all people, even those people who are mean to us and hateful to us and harmful to themselves. So I'd like to say this to my freshman roommate, Frank, wherever he may be. I'm sorry you lost your father the summer before you started college, and I'm sorry for the way I treated you that first semester. I ask you, Frank, to forgive me. And if you're ever in Irvine, look me up. I'll put on a wrinkled shirt, and we'll go down to the shore and chomp on a couple of grinders. Please pray with me. Lord God, good and gracious Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us, to forgive us, and to redeem us. Teach us to love, serve, and forgive others in response to what you have done for us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.